0: is Our second week uh, teaching on prepare the way we're teaching on how we prepare the way for God to come into our life for God to show up miraculously in our life what we can do to get God involved in the situation our master text is Matthew chapter number three verse number three this is where John the Baptist is going before Jesus comes on the scene really and he's talking about Jesus coming. And he says this in the last part of the verse, it says, prepare ye, you prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. Make his path straight. Prepare the way of the Lord. Now this is a metaphor to an oriental custom that used to be done where if a king was traveling from one kingdom to another, from one portion of his kingdom to another, what they would do is they would send a group or they would send a team out in front of this king's caravan and they would take the high parts of the road and they would lower them and they would take the lower parts of the road and they would raise them and they would take all the potholes and all the problems and they would smooth them out because the people waiting on the king to get there wanted the king to not only get there and be comfortable. They wanted the king to get there on time. In your life and in my life, it's very imperative for you to understand God is not a your time kind of God. He's an on time kind of God. He's the God that shows up in the right moment in the right time and changes your situation for the good. It's our responsibility though as a Christian to prepare the way for God. To make it where when the king is traveling to our situation, he's not just traveling on a bumpy road of our life where we're not making it pleasant for him to ride on, or we're making it where he has uh, pitfalls and bumps where it's hard for him to get there, where his caravan might might take a flat tire or bust a chariot wheel or something like that, but like an autobahn of faith where he can just get on that thing and get right there in the middle of our situation and make sure that life, the life that we're living, Prepares the way for him to get there. Last week we talked on the idea where Jesus was teaching and he said this. He says, listen guys, you need to make the tree good or make it evil. You need to make the tree good or you need to make it corrupt. The scripture teaches us other places where we cannot serve two masters. The scripture teaches that a, a double minded man, man is unstable in all of his ways. There's plenty of places in the scripture where we have to get singular focus. If you're talking to your wife and you're watching Sports Center, every time you talk to your wife, your wife probably doesn't feel like you're talking to her because you're double minded. Not in my house, I, I, live, I live under grace. Y'all, I could watch Sports Center and talk to this kid. A double-minded man can't focus. A double-minded woman is called normal. That's a joke. Y'all are lighting up on me in here. Come on, somebody. A double-minded man is unstable. Listen to me. There's never been a tree in the world that grew apples on this side and oranges on this side. You cannot live one foot in and one foot out and expect the road that you're preparing for God to arrive on to be paved properly for Him to get there in a pertinent time frame. You've got to get to the place where you decide my life is going to be a life that bears good fruit it's in that moment that God says, I will make you like a tree planted by the rivers of water that doesn't, doesn't have its leaf getting, uh, beginning to wither, but it brings forth its fruit in its season. So God says, I need you guys to make your tree the like that I've given you. Either make it good or make it bad, but please get off the fence. He says, if you're lukewarm, I'll spit you out. Here's an example hot soup, wonderful. Hot gumbo, even better. Cold iced tea, excellent. Ice cold water, perfect. Lukewarm anything. Be hot or be honest and just be cold. A quit being lukewarm. Prepare the way for God. So this is what we taught on last week. Somebody said, I'm glad I wasn't here last week. Just kidding. Matthew, or uh, John chapter number 12. John chapter number 12, we'll begin in verse 1. Verse 11 Excuse me, chapter 11 is where Lazarus, the story of Lazarus is told. And if you've been in church more than about five minutes, you've probably heard about Lazarus. Lazarus was a guy. He was a guy that was a good friend of Jesus. And and, and matter of fact, in, in chapter 11, it even says that Jesus loved him. So Jesus loved Lazarus. And Lazarus gets sick and dies. So Jesus' disciples... They're out doing what Jesus does, healing the sick, casting out devils, setting captives free, causing blessings to come on people. And he gets news that Lazarus, his friend, is sick. So Jesus says to him, he says, listen, it's not unto death, he's going to be fine. Then a couple days go by. So Jesus doesn't even turn around for what he's doing to try to get to where Lazarus was. Because he knew he had the power to get there. And when time was right, he was going to get there. So he says to the people, he says, listen, he says, Lazarus is sick, but he's not going to die. Then he comes back and says, okay, guys, listen to me. I want y'all to understand that Lazarus is now asleep. And all the disciples are like, oh, that's great news because we thought he was going to die. And Lazarus goes, do you guys even listen to me? He's really dead. I'm just saying asleep because I'm here to destroy death. So you guys need to get the word death out of your terminology. Because if you know me, you don't have to taste death. You're just going to go to sleep one day. So he says, Lazarus is asleep, guys. And he says, and all of a sudden, I was like, great. He's just asleep. And Jesus, no, plainly, he goes, guys, listen, he really is dead. But nevertheless, I'm going to fix it when I get there. So Jesus takes him and his posse, his crew, his disciples, They begin to head where Lazarus is. And they're getting there, and they're getting close to where Lazarus is. And Lazarus got two sisters, one named Martha and one named Mary. And they are polar opposites of one another. And that's not uncommon when you have a brother and a brother, or sister a sister, or a brother a sister, for people to be completely opposite. So when you're raising your children, or when you're talking to your brother and sister, understand they're probably not going to be like you all the time. They might not understand everything immediately. They're probably going to get on your nerves a little bit. But Mary and Martha were completely different. They were completely separate. One. Was was this way one was that way so Jesus walking up where Lazarus is and Martha comes and says Jesus and she begins to talk with him with a very astute understanding of the scripture and she says to him said I wish you'd have been here because if you'd have been here my brother wouldn't have died and Jesus says to her says, Martha your brother's going to live again And Martha, being so filled with the word of God and so understandable about what God, so understanding about what God's going to do, she says to him, she says, I understand that he's going to live in the resurrection, but I really wish. And Jesus said, no, 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 you're not understanding me. I'm here to fix everything. Then the Bible says that Martha goes and gets her sister Mary. And Mary was in the house crying with a bunch of people who were crying. Because uh, when, when your brother dies, a lot of people cry about it. It'd be a good thing. I hope if I, when, whenever I go to heaven at 120 years old, I hope all of y'all cry. I hope I'm missed. I hope there's something about me that, 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 that people wanna, 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 wanna talk about and remember. And I hope they say things like this at my funeral. I knew that guy for 30 years and he never backed off of preaching the gospel one day of his life. I hope they say to me, he raised his kids and the fear and admonition of the Lord. I hope they say to me, his wife was the sweetest person on the planet and he treated her like a queen. I hope they say these things about me. So Lazarus, the Bible said that there was a bunch of people from Jerusalem who come to mourn with Mary and Martha and Mary's in the house and she's crying. says she Jesus wants us, So she goes out to meet Jesus and she doesn't get there like Martha. She goes a completely different route. She falls on her face at his feet and begins to cry. Martha comes and just wants to talk about the the, the the fine points of the Scripture, which is a wonderful thing. There's a lot of people in the room right now that I love to sit down and discuss Scripture with and talk about, well, how does this Scripture tie with this Scripture? How does this Scripture tie with that Scripture? Because it's just, it, the Word of God is so powerful. But there's other points and there's other seasons in time where all you can do is cry. Mary gets to a place, falls on her face, and begins to weep at Jesus And the Bible says Jesus groaned in his spirit. And he was hurt in his spirit. And then the shortest verse in the whole Bible says, Jesus Jesus began to cry. Jesus was so moved in his spirit. I want you to get an accurate picture of God because if you serve these other nonsense gods that have a bunch of idol statues and nonsense to look at and try to serve, you get a, 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 a bored type image of God, but he's not that way at all. When you hurt, listen to me, he hurts. How do I know? Number one, it said he cried when Mary cried. Number two, look at your children. What child of yours that's in pain, would you not move heaven and earth to take that pain away? Does it or does it not hurt you more when they hurt? When you have to discipline them, doesn't it hurt you when you gotta tell them you can't have a popsicle for a week? Wait a minute, Dad. I'm like, I know man, I want to give you the popsicle. Here's a popsicle. Don't tell your mom. We need to edit that out, actually, if we record that. You're not serving a God who doesn't care. You're not serving a God who doesn't understand. So the Bible says that Jesus is vexed in his spirit or he's he's very moved in his spirit. He's He's just overwhelmingly concerned and he cries and finally he says, take me to your brother. She takes him to the grave. And the first thing he says when he gets to the grave is, move everything that looks like it might stop him from getting his victory out of the way. Move the stone. Somebody stands up and says, wait a minute, Jesus. He might smell bad. He's been dead for four days. That means there's already been a funeral. They already had the viewing. They've already taken care of all the things that had to be taken care of. All the logistics were handled. Jesus ignored the people. He said, move the rock. Now, 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 for me, I don't understand that point because if, if Jesus is strong enough to tell a dead bag of bones to get up and walk and come out of a tomb, surely He's strong enough to move a rock. If I'm Jesus, I would have gone over there and I would have like pointed my finger at it and I would have made the rock explode or I would have made the rock uh, bounce out of the way or I would have made the rock, uh, you know, spill water into the tomb and wash Lazarus. I would have done something really impressive with the rock, but Jesus didn't do that. He said, What I need you to do is you go move move... the rock out of the way. Here's the situation. Jesus said, you do what you can do and I'll do what I can do. In your life, God's telling you to do something. Some of you, it's grand. Some of you, you don't feel like it's grand, but there's nothing insignificant in his kingdom. Some of you, God has been whispering the same thing over and over in your mind and in your life, and you've been trying to figure out how am I going to get it done? When should I do it? And God's just saying, Move the rock and watch me work. So the people go and move the rock. Jesus, intensely moved, passionately moved, with a loud voice, says, Lazarus, come forth. And all of a sudden, his friend that he loved that died in his absence, Jesus missed the funeral, walks out of the tomb and he tells the people, get that grave nonsense off of him because I don't want his past determining his future. This is what happened with Lazarus. This is why Lazarus is kind of important in the Bible. He's one of the guys who tasted death and then walked out of a grave after somebody moved a rock because his sister was crying. Everything about Lazarus is powerful. Now, chapter 12. This is where they're sitting down to dinner. They're having a dinner in the the honor of Jesus, probably celebrating the fact that Lazarus, who was dead, is now alive. The Bible says this. In those days, excuse me, I'll move on to my Bible if you guys are ready. John chapter 12. Verse number 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom uh, he, that's Jesus, raised from the dead. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served because Martha was just very logistically interested. She always did the things that had to be done. Uh, Mary was a little bit more of a a free spirit. She was very emotional. Uh, But Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with them. So here's the scenario. I really want you guys to see the difference between Martha and Mary. Martha was the one who always had her act together and Mary was the one who always had some drama. Martha was the one who already always had it taken care of and always had everything uh, put together just right and everything situated just right. But Mary was the one who never really kind of had it all together from the outside. But, but you could count on Mary to cry with. In your life, you've got some Marthas and you've got some Marys. And each one of you guys would fall into a Martha or you'd fall into a Mary category. Maybe a little bit of both depending on the day, the situation, and that whether or not you've had your coffee or not. But Mary and Martha were different people in different situations. And, and one, one recollection of, of them, the Bible says Jesus walks into a house, he sits down, he begins to teach. And Martha looks over and sees Mary sitting down at the feet of Jesus listening. And goes and tattletales on Mary and says, Jesus, my sister's not helping me cook, clean, or anything else. And Jesus says to Martha, Martha, I understand that you're busy. I get it. But you can't be too busy to hear my voice. Your sister's listening to me and she's going to take with her everything that she needs that nobody can take away from her because she's willing to listen to my voice. Listen, I understand it's 2014. I understand with our iPhones, we can do anything. We can be anywhere. We can set up schedule appointments. We can cancel appointments. We can do everything. But listen to me. If you're too busy to hear from God, you're too busy. Get something out of your life it is taking away too much of your time. Because Martha needed a little more Mary. and Mary might have, might have needed a little more Martha. Verse number three. Then Mary took a pound of ointment. spiken, very costly. And anointed the feet of Jesus. Wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Very costly. Very valuable. Mark's recollection of this same instance, the Bible says that the woman had an alabaster box and she brought it in and she broke it. Not like a mason jar with a lid where if it doesn't turn out, at least she can save half of it. Not like a a bottle where it's got a cork in it. You pour out some of it and keep the other for later. Not anything like that. It indicates that she broke the box, which means she decided, I'm not looking back anymore. anymore." Number one, in your life and my life, if you're going to prepare the way for God, you've got to break the box. It's all in or get out. It's all in or back up. She said, this is the one who raised my brother from the dead. And if he's willing to do that, what I have of value, I give to him. Verse 4. Then saith one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pieces of silver and given to the poor? That sounds really religious and really important. and even sounds like a good thing. Why didn't we just take this stuff and sell it so we could give some stuff to some poor people? We could have sold it for 300 pieces of silver. Now, here's the interesting dichotomy is that this is the same guy who just one or two chapters later is going to sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Quick math, that's a tithe of what he's complaining about. That's 10% of what he's complaining about. 30 pieces of silver in that day and age was the general price for a slave. That was kind of the starting point of the price for a slave. Judas is standing over here. There's a woman crying, wiping Jesus' feet with her tears and pouring this precious oil on him after she broke the box and said, I'm all in for you, Jesus. And the only thing Judas can say is, well, we could have fed some poor people if she hadn't wasted it on the king of kings. He's sitting in a room looking at a man who at least four days ago was dead in a grave eating. And now he's sitting at a table eating a biscuit. Jesus is sitting next to him, who is the guy who said, Lazarus, get up and come meet me for dinner. Everything about the situation screams, why isn't everybody pouring everything they have on it? It's the same question today. Why isn't everybody pouring everything they have on it? There's two different categories in this story. You've got Mary and you've got Judas. Mary says... Best I've got, Jesus, I'm breaking it, I'm giving it to you, I'm pouring on you. The thing that I have of value, the thing that's representative of beauty to me, I will wipe it on you. I want more of you and I want you to have everything that I have. This is Mary. Then you've got Judas who sounds right and says we should have fed the poor with that. And he's judging somebody else's. The number two way to make sure we're preparing the way for God is to get your eyes off of them and keep your eyes on him. He's not like you and me. He doesn't change. On the contrary, He changes you and me. If you can get to the place where you're so focused on Him, and you're so concerned about what you're pouring out on Him, and you're so concerned about how you're living for Him, and what you're doing for Him, and all these other things, you'll quit being concerned about Mary and her oil. And you'll be concerned about the one who's raised your brother from the dead. Verse 6. This he said. Not because he cared for the poor. See God knows everything. He knows what you're really thinking. But because he was a thief. And he had the bag. Meaning he was the treasurer of Jesus. Ministry. And bear what was put in. Meaning he stole out of the treasury. Then Jesus said. Let her alone. Against. The day of my burying has she kept this. Number three. You are blessed to be a blessing. Some of you are walking in a level of abundance. And you sense God saying, I wish you would do more. I wish you would serve more. I wish you would put more into my kingdom. Whether it be finances or time or whatever. Don't don't get hung up on. But the situation is, is God has blessed you, not just for you. This woman, I don't know how long she had the oil. Maybe it was an heirloom. Maybe her mom gave it to her. Maybe it was something that got sweeter with time, or maybe maybe it was something very important and precious to her, and she thought, "I don't know if I'll ever part with this." And then all of a sudden, her dead brother, who she cried for at least four days over, comes and walks out of a grave because a man said, "Told him to get up." And now she goes, "I know, I know, I can't give him uh, the world, and I, I can't give him a city, and I can't give him a tower, and I can't give him pearls, but I've got this." box and I just want to take everything that I've got and give it to him because I realize that he has blessed me to be a blessing and Jesus says the reason you've got the oil Mary is because I needed somebody to anoint me for my burial I'll tell you a quick story bump your neighbor and say story time bump your second choice neighbor and say your second choice just kidding Huntsville, Texas, about eight years ago. I had a good friend of mine, multimillionaire, came on some really hard times. When I say hard, I mean this high to below low. He was debt-free, praise God, but he was completely devastated in his finances, completely, hand to mouth. month goes by, two months goes by, Three months, nothing, nothing, nothing. Worse, 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 worse. All kinds of sicknesses came on his family at that time. He was under a total attack of the devil. Because God's will for your life is for you to prosper and be in health. The devil's will for your life is for you to be broke and die. So my friend, we have lunch once or twice a week. I'm sitting in church one Sunday. And, and I hear the spirit of God speak to me. He said, give him $500. And I reached in my pocket and I had $100. And I thought, well, I got $100. I'll give it to him tomorrow. And the Lord told me, give it to him now. And let me just say this the devil will never tell you to do that because he's scared of the power of a seed. So I said, Lord, I don't have it. He said, well, go get it. I said, I'm in church. Silence. I'm in church. Go get it. So I left there and I went to the ATM. And I I don't know how it all comes together, but I had to do it like two or three times to get enough money. I wouldn't let me take 500 out at one time. Praise God we had the money. Everything was fine. Beep, 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 comes out, whatever. And there's a big difference between five $100 bills. That doesn't feel like much. But 25 of them starts to get thick. I'm like, man. You sure that was you, God? No, I'm just kidding. I said <laughs> So I go and I take the money and I wad it up in my hand. I'm driving back as fast as I can to the church. church is out. Everybody's walking across the parking lot. There's my buddy. He's walking across the parking lot to his car. And I walk. I say, hey, wait, 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 wait. I said, man, I just want to tell you I love you. Gave him a high five with all that money in my hand like that. because I thought it would be cool, you know. All that money. Shakes my hand. Takes the money, looks at it, says, No, 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 no. He tries to give it back to me. And I, no, 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 I gotta give it to you, I gotta give it to you. He said, The only way I'll take this is if God told you to give it to me. I said, Brother, the only way I'd give you five hundred dollars is if God told me to give it to you. <laughs> I didn't say that. I said, No, I want you to have it. But the Lord spoke to me and I want you to have it. As soon as I said that, he went just like this. Eyes filled up with tears knew something had happened. I didn't see him for two or three weeks. He didn't show up for church, wouldn't answer my phone calls really. Didn't know, have any idea where he was. I think he sent me a text message and said, thanks, that was about it. And I thought, man, I give this brother $500, and he starts to backslide? He comes back to town about two, three weeks later. He said, I gotta take you to lunch. And he takes me to one of my favorite restaurants that have these oysters that they cook them on the half shell with garlic and butter and Parmesan cheese. Is it lunchtime? And man, they're so good, but it's so expensive. And I was like, man, I, I don't know about all this. i sitting there, and, uh, I said, man, I said, I said, what's going on? He said, i got to tell you what happened. He said, that $500 you gave me, that $500 enabled me to turn it into $10,000 in two weeks. I said, wait a minute. Where is this investment opportunity that you didn't tell me about? He said, no. He said, the week before, I'd gotten a job offer in Ohio, but I did not have the money to get there. So Monday morning, I was going to call them and tell them I can't take the job. It was a very short contract. He's a very intelligent person, has overwhelming experience. He's an engineer. Uh, He's just an amazing person. He said, on Monday morning, I was going to call them and tell them I can't make it. But because of that $500 seed that you gave me, I was able to get there, and buy a hotel room, not knowing how I was going to get back. And the job ended up paying an overwhelming amount. I'm not telling you that. Talk about myself. If I knew your story, I would tell your story right there. That's right where I would inject it. All I know is God gave me the oil for that moment. Mary had the oil, but she didn't know why she had the oil. She just knew where to put it when the time was right. For the poor you have with you always, but me you don't have always. Verse 9. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. They came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he raised from the dead. Your job is to point him to Jesus definitely. But people are watching you too. They didn't just come to see Jesus at the table. They came to see the one who was dead now is a In your life, you have a before Christ time frame and then you have the Christ centered life. If you want to prepare the way for God to show up in your life on time, on schedule, and comfortable, then you get some of the nonsense out of your life. I know there seems like there's kind of two extremes on this. There's those who uh, preach holiness for the sake of holiness. And and a lot of times it turns into kind of a self-centered situation. I I understand that. And you can get in the ditch that way. And and then there's the other side where it's this grace that it's like, well, you know, he redeemed us from sin. We can do what we want to do. He didn't save you from sin so that you could play with it like a kid. He saved you from sin and called you to righteousness. Then he said, be holy as I'm holy. One translation be perfect as I'm. But your life needs to emulate who you are. You're the righteousness of God in Christ. Before you met him, you were dead in a grave and he told somebody to go get the rock out of the way and then he called you out of death and he called you into life he made you his own he changed you he put you back in his likeness and back in his image and he's asking you to focus that way and move that way so that when people come to dinner they don't just see Christ but they see the you that was dead and is now alive your life is not your own anymore You were purchased with the highest of values. I buy very expensive, to me, it might not be expensive to you, but I buy very expensive journals. Not because I need expensive paper, but because things of value, you just take care of them better. When you think of your life and you think of your life as a normal life, you're completely off track and you're not paying attention to your value because your value is not what you think you are. Your value is what somebody will pay for you. God said, I'll give them my son. The highest price that could have ever been paid. He lays it on the altar of sin. He who knew not sin became sin. Curses everyone who hangs on a tree. This God of all creation sent his son to not just become sin, but become a curse. For you and for me. What I'm asking you to do this morning, what I'm asking you to do in the way of preparing the way for God to show up in your life is not just decide that you're going to make the tree good or make the tree evil. That's baby time Christianity. That's the beginning. That's elementary. That's the first thing he expects from you. But if you really want God, If you want him to show up in your life. You got to break the box. No going back. All in. What do you have of value? Pour it on him. Y'all have time for one more short story. I was in Beaumont, Texas. About 18 years old. I called my dad. I said, Dad, I don't know what it is. But I just want to be a good man. My dad's not normal. He's peculiar. He said, that's God calling you back. I wasn't like selling drugs. That's your story. I celebrate your deliverance. But I wasn't. I just wasn't all in. Maybe at times in my life I had broken the box. There was parts of me that I was holding back. Beaumont, Texas. On a Wednesday night, I believe it was. After talking with my dad, I decided I was going to make some major changes. And again, I I look like a Christian on the outside like crazy. Went to a church service. Now remember the feeling that if you can really use anybody, you can use me. I remember the moment when this thought crossed my mind. I have nothing compared to who you are. But you can have all I've got by faith. Broke my box. I went further than that I even I didn't count my money I just took the money whatever I had in my pocket gave everything I had I didn't have any savings or anything at that time hardly not in my pocket for sure anything I got is yours verse 3 says when she broke her box The house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Isn't it great that the whole house benefited from her pouring her life out? My parents lived for God like crazy at that time. I think it'd be okay for me to say it, but they shifted a gear right about then. Not because of me, I'm not saying that. But the whole house was filled with the ointment. 45 days later, I met my little wife, Crystal. I clubbed her over the head and drug her to my cave. Dated her for a year asked her to marry me she said yes a year later we graduated college and got married I can count on one hand the amount of arguments we've had I was wrong every time for real when you break your box everything changes And there's a real powerful song that I love I've asked Tiffany to sing. I'm going to ask you guys to just lower the lights. This is not a concert. What I want you to do for the next five minutes is search yourself. Is there something that you've withheld from God that he can use? Because I promise you, The moment you decide to go all-in is the moment the oil will fill your house.
1: i Prisoner to the sin that had me. By. I spent my days, pulled my life without measure to a long i